Hey everybody, this is Nick Padiak. You're listening to I'll Be Damned. My guest today is Brazil Stevenson III, a.k.a. Savannah Westbrook. Uh, Brazil is he's a, he's a remarkable person with, with a remarkable story. I was, I was really glad to talk with him. I uh, went over to his house on the west side of Chicago. Uh, he had some people working on the outside of his house. He had a few people hanging out inside, and it was raining. So you're going to hear a little bit of background noise, but nothing, nothing too big. It's just you're, you're not going crazy if you hear that. Um, Brazil actually, he streamed the interview that we did, the conversation that we had on Facebook Live on his page. Uh, if you want to check that out, his, his Facebook page is Savannah Westbrook. Um, you can you can watch the interview there uh, if you're if you're into seeing visuals. Uh, I know that there were hundreds of people watching live uh, on Facebook, and uh, that he has thousands of, of Facebook followers, and I hope that many of you who are listening now are some of those people, and if, if you are, then welcome. I'm, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I would urge you to check out some of my back episodes and to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and or Stitcher or Google Play, and, and that goes for everyone, really, uh, whether you're new or not. Um, I'd also like to urge all of you to to check out my other podcast. Uh, I do another podcast called Informer. Uh, it's, a, it's a show... For during which I uh, team up with my friend Kevin, who's a lawyer for the federal government, and uh, we just explain what's happening with the laws that are affecting our news and our politics, and, and I swear it's not boring, it's not dry, uh, we are fairly vulgar, uh, we, we make jokes, etc. It, it, it's very informative, we're very proud of it, and we would like everyone to listen. Uh, in this latest episode, Kevin and I talk about the Supreme Court taking on the travel ban, we talk about gerrymandering, and we talk about more more than that. We're Like I said, we're really proud of it. Uh, if you want to check that out, it is at informerpod.com. It's also available uh, wherever you got this show, if it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I am on Twitter at npadiak. I am on Facebook at Nicholas Nathan Padiak, And my website is nicholaspadiak.com. Uh, thanks, as always, to Matt Pickett for the I'll Be Damned theme song and to Alex Johnson for the cover art. And before we dive into this conversation with Brazil, I, d- I do want to say that there is some content that we discuss that might be some ups- might be upsetting or, or triggering to some people. So uh, please proceed with caution if, if you feel that's necessary. Uh, so here it is. Enjoy my talk with Brazil Stevenson III. Feeling good? I am. I'm feeling good. Right We're on. at 201 right now. Nice. Hello, 201 people. Are so you on we Facebook? are. I am. Mm-hmm. So we are streaming on Facebook Live right now. Is that yes, correct? we're streaming on Facebook Live. Right on. So, and uh, where are you on Facebook? Is it Savannah Brazil? Westbrook? Savannah Westbrook. Yes. All right. That is the popular one. Cool. Brazil Can you spell that? S a v a n n a h w e s t b r o o k e. So, how did you decide Savannah Westbrook? Uh, my well, hang kid- on. First of all, we should say who is Savannah Westbrook. So Savannah Westbrook is um, <clears throat> who is she? She she is for me. She's uh, a, a escape from reality, mm-hmm. and um, she has the confidence that I wish I had as my regular self. She has the ability to do things that I wish I could do. She's my outlet in life. Mm. She is. Um, when I'm having a very bad day or a very uh, low day, I can go and do a show and put it all on the stage and leave it there. And when I come off 
I'm better. Mm. Because all of that energy, all of that negative energy has gone into, all of that passion has gone into Savannah and, and, and putting on a good show, entertaining the people that paid to come and see. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how did you decide on that name? Uh, Savannah is a Southern belle. Um, she is a wealthy Southern belle. And so what I did was um, I researched my, my name in the beginning when I first started drag was Lady Seduction complete fool and so (laughs) (laughs) i was young and that's what i did and so um then i went to sabrina black uh because of uh uh entertainer that i uh admired so much i saw a video i never met her a day in my life uh amelia black uh i never met amelia but i watched i saw a video of her in a pageant and i was just like oh my god she's amazing (laughs) and so i took her last name and then uh as time went on, I finally met Amelia. She became a very good friend of mine. Um, but we're more like sisters than a, a mother-daughter relationship. And when I came around the scene, everybody was like, oh, you look like Dolores. You look like Dolores. You look like Dolores. I'm like, who in the hell is Dolores? <laughs> and so finally I met Dolores and I was like, oh, my God, we are we were very much alike. That's why we didn't really get along at first. <laughs> and, and I became Savannah Van Cartier. Um, and that was this a, is quite the evolution. It wasn't. A, yes, it was an evolution yeah. uh, because Savannah came about after uh, I had been homeless for two years and um, I had to reinvent myself and build myself. And so when I came out of homelessness or came out of my situation, I didn't want to go back to Sabrina Black because Sabrina Black had been through so much. Um, and so Savannah was the rebirth of uh, me. Uh, of of it was a new character that had not gone through what Lady Seduction or um, Sabrina Black had gone through, uh, and then after so long of being Savannah Van Cartier, Savannah B Van Cartier, I decided that I wanted to I wanted to have my own legacy and I wanted to start my own family and um, so I researched wealthy uh, Southern names. And Westbrook was one of them. Mm-hmm. And it had a ring to it. And so I became the Lady Savannah Westbrook. And um, when, I ma- when I made my name change, it was very controversial because it hurt <laughs> my mother. It hurt my mother to the core, Dolores. Um, it hurt her to the core. And I was like, it was not about hurting her. It was truly just about becoming my own person. Yeah. And uh, in the drag community, you know, you don't, people don't see that. They just see uh, you trying to... I don't know. I don't even know what it was, but so we, we're over that now. So, um, but it was just, I needed to be my own person. And the second I started becoming Savannah Westbrook, the lady Savannah Westbrook doors started opening like crazy because I was now, I, I had the confidence enough to be my own brand and not ride the coattail of my mother. Yeah. Because my mother's very, she's a very widely successful uh, female impersonator and not only is she successful in our industry, but she's successful in life, whether, uh, you know, she's uh, educated, she has a good job, she works hard, you know, and she has a, a good standing name in the community. And so I wanted my own. I didn't want to ride on that coattail. Oh, that's Dolores's daughter. I wanted to be who I am. And the second I started doing that, things started opening up like yeah. crazy. Huh. Right on. So I'd like to, uh, if we can, back up. Back up quite a bit. And okay. uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up in, in two places, in Mississippi and in Joliet. Okay. So All right. we jumped back and forth. Either we were in school in Joliet and in the summers in Mississippi or vice versa. Gotcha. So why why the jumping back and forth? 
because we're Southern and we couldn't make up our mind where we wanted to be. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Gotcha. And how was it growing up? What was your, what was your childhood like? Um, <laughs> it was, my childhood was interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. Um, my mother raised us for the most part. My mother and my grandmothers, uh, my father got burned. He worked at a chemical plant. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was, I think I want to say I was three. Uh, the chemical plant blew up, and he was burned over ninety percent of his body. So wow. he had to move to a warmer climate. Yeah. And um, so one thing about my dad is, no matter what, if I needed him, he was always there. Um, but my mom was the main person there. And um, growing up, I grew up in church. That that was all I knew. That was what I loved. That's what I still love to this day, just on a different level. And um, my, I had a lot of, growing up, it wasn't the, the easiest because I knew I was gay, but I didn't know what it was. Hmm. And then being molested and being raped, it's a lot. It's very deep. So yeah. I don't think we got enough time, but it's very we, deep. We have as much time as you have, as you, as you want to get, as, as you want to get into really. Okay. <laughs> so if you're comfortable talking about it, if you want to talk about it, feel free. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Um. In the church, um, I, um, I, I, I grew in popularity very fast because I was a singer. I was a, a PK, which is a preacher's kid. Mm. I, um, I was a preacher. I was a singer. I, I worked very hard um, because growing up Pentecostal, you know, being gay was not acceptable you could mm. you could be a liar and you could be a hoe but you can't be gay <laughs> you, you could be a thief you could be anything else and and we'll forgive that but you can't be a homosexual oh god no and so um being that it turned so many people away because people assume but again throughout my childhood i didn't know what it was i had mm. no idea i didn't really recognize understand that I was gay until later on in life, uh, in, in my teens. Um, and I didn't come out until I was almost 20. So mm-hmm. it was, um, it was hard because you want to, yeah, no matter what people say, you always want to fit in. You want to be a part of the in crowd. You want to be the popular one. And I was to an extent, but you feel like to a point you're not being you're popular but for the wrong reasons you're popular for what they want you to be and not really who you are and what did they want you to be <laughs> they wanted to be this mighty man of valor this mighty man of god this uh individual that did no wrong or this straight individual to have be married and have children and all of that and i was not that guy i wasn't mass i was never masculine enough no matter what i did i played all the sports i did all the things but i was never masculine enough Mm. i was always softer than everyone else i was always a um a performer that's what i did um and i didn't realize it until after once i started doing drag that this is where i belong you know yeah yeah so were you bouncing back and forth even through high school between Mississippi and, and Juliet? For the most part, yeah. yes. But it was more or less summers in the South and then Got here it. during the school year. Okay, yeah. cool. And then after high school, what happened then? Uh, United States Air Force. And what prompted that decision? Um, being, being young and gay, 
in my house was again not acceptable really um i had an uncle that died of uh complications from hiv and aids and um so that's what everybody equated it to. Everybody looked at me as if if you were gay, you were going to get HIV, you were going to get AIDS, and you were going to die. And you're going to hell. Not only oh, man. <laughs> Triple are you going to be a sick somebody, but you you going to hell. <laughs> and um, after I was molested and, um, and I was raped, the, the church kind of turned on me then. That's um, horrific. I can't. I told, I told my pastor um, about my molestation Christmas Eve, because um, that's when the attempted rape had happened, and it was quite brutal, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I came home. It might have been two days before Christmas. It was either Christmas Eve or the day before Christmas Eve. But anyway, um, I came home from school because I was working at a place called First Choice Gospel in Joliet. Um, and the owner and proprietor of that was my mentor, someone that I trusted, someone that I looked at as a father figure. And um, what happened was I had left my key somehow. I didn't have my key with me. I don't know if I left it at school or, or what, but I didn't have my key. So I couldn't get in the house and my mom was not home. So... I went with him because it was raining and um, (laughs) I assumed that I assumed that he would take me to his house, um, you know, with his kids and his wife, but that's not what happened. We went to the holiday Inn on Larkin um, in Joliet and he got a room at the holiday Inn, and um, we were in the room and, um, I didn't think anything of it, you know. Now, he had done things to me prior, but it, it had never gotten, um, I guess, extremely physical. It was always just, like, kind of backing me into the closet, or not into the closet, but into the wall, and uh, or holding me too close or feeling on me, whatever the case may be. And I felt uncomfortable, but I didn't think, I didn't think that what would happen that night was going... It, I would have never guessed it in a million years. And so... Um, we're in the room and we're watching television or whatever. And I'm sitting up on the bed because, you know, I don't didn't really feel comfortable laying down. And so as I'm there, um, he comes and he sits next to me or whatever. And it's just it's uncomfortable because, like, OK, why is, you know, and I kind of felt like, OK, well, he's he finna fill on me again. Like mm-hmm. that's normally what has happened. How how old were you at this time? Uh, 14. OK. Um, and. uh <clears throat> so he started like kissing me on my neck and, and, or whatever. And I just, I, I felt very, and so he tried to hold me down on the bed because I tried to get up and he pulled me back down to the bed. And, um, he had said a couple of things that I, that necessarily, it, it necessarily, in hindsight, it was true, but it was inappropriate. If, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, he was he was like, well, you know, you like it or, you know, that you're gay, you know, you like boys. And, and all of that was true, mm-hmm. but it didn't make what was happening. OK. Right. Um, and so uh, when it got to the point where he kept pr- trying to force himself on me and before I knew it, he was uh, pantsless or whatever the case may be. And um, I locked myself in the bathroom and then I was like, you know, I 
I just left. I, I got out. And he apologized, and it was this big thing. Because it, it, it went a little further than that. I just don't want to necessarily go there. Mm-hmm. But um, it went a little further. And then finally, it, it was over. Um, and I had a, a scratch here. and um, On your face? On my face, yeah. uh, by my close to my ear. Mm-hmm. And um, I had um, cut myself. That's a scar. Um on my hand but I cut myself here and um, I guess he realized that was too far or whatever and so I told my family I went home and I told my mother my mother was furious Uh, I didn't tell her exactly what happened that night because you know you don't know being a young gay man and you know that you're gay or you know that something's different about you and you're already having issues at home or issues with people um, in the way they view you. You don't really know how they will react. And so I told my mother that he had been touching me and that he had been feeling on me. And my mother was furious when I called my pastor. Excuse me. I called my pastor and um, I told him what had happened. His response was, Thank you for ruining my Christmas. Um, and because the church was in the middle of investigation, because this same individual had stolen money from the church, um, my aunt Justina, asked, her question to me, her very first question to me was, are you just doing this for attention? Mm. And so you don't, when things, and this is in the first 24 to 48 hours of me saying hey guys this is going on the only person that I had supporting me was my mom that believed me when it got to the school and you know um, I can't think of his name but I know I can I see his face clear the investigator I see his face clear as day uh, he it, it became a, a thing of my word against his word and so they didn't pursue anything yeah. But what pisses me off uh, is that years later, this same individual was convicted of child molestation and nobody apologized. Nobody said, you know what? We should have listened to you. Yeah. Nobody said, you know what? I was wrong for that. Nobody. They act as if nothing ever happened or it wasn't me too. And it pissed me off because even the county, Will County, they didn't call and say, hey, we saw that you had a case as well yeah. back in the day. But, you know, did you like I I never got my say. Yeah. And the crazy thing is this person, if I called this person right now, they would still attempt to sleep with me. Hmm. Well, shit. Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. Whew. OK, so. This all started with the Air Force. How did how did that lead to when you going I got, into the Air Force? When I got out of high school, that was my only escape from everything and everybody. Because it was clear to me that I could not please anybody. I wanted to go to college for culinary arts. That wasn't good enough. I wanted to go for... Uh, musical theater that wasn't good enough when you say not good enough were you just getting pushback from people in your life no, saying just, you just, can't do that it was it was not manly enough mm, it wasn't it. um so you said manly i'll show you i'll go into the fucking military right so i went <laughs> so i went to the air force and i served my time and i served my country and i served my country proudly and um 
it was a rough time because so much happened when finding yourself in a place where you still have to be secretive about yourself because you couldn't serve openly when I went in. Mm-hmm. You you still had to be quiet about um, who you were. No matter what happened, uh, they weren't having it. Yeah. They just were not having it. And it is frustrating when you are putting yourself out there to protect people, when you're putting yourself out there to fight for freedoms and you don't necessarily have those freedoms. You don't... Um, you you get teached and preached about and, and and about core values, but we're not living the core values because if we were living the true core values, everyone would be accepted to fight, um, and 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 protect this country. But they didn't want us, yeah. and it got to a point where there were people in my own family sending letters to my superior saying, "Hey, you know, he's gay." Hey, and. It's just like in a in a malicious way. Like, yeah, in a malicious way. They, mm. it, it seems like I've always had people in my corner pushing me to be better. But in the it's the their people, definition of better. Yeah, their yeah. definition of better. Yeah. Um, and then I've always had people in my corner pushing me to be who I am mm-hmm. and to be great at who I am. And then I've always had people uh, pushing me to not be anything Hmm. yeah so that i mean that how long were you in the air force six years wow six years 23 days that's a long time that's a long time for anybody especially for someone who i mean you had you had to hide who you were and and were you living in fear at that time that that someone might um out you, you know, someone outside of your family might out you, or that you would be. Oh yeah, yeah. That was a con. That was an everyday thing, though. That was the fear of being outed, because now, it, and there were so many of us that were closeted gays in the in the Air Force or mm-hmm. in the military period. Most of us were young. We left home because it was time. We wanted to be who we were. We wanted to to just live our lives and not live it under the the heavy thumb of uh, Christianity or the heavy thumb of Pentecost or the heavy thumb of parents. Um, we just wanted to be free, and that was our way. We're paying our own way. We're we're working. We're doing our thing, but at the same token, in the same offset, you have people that don't like the fact that you feel like you're better or too good to live their way. So I'll show you and they'll do malicious things to try to, um, stop you. Hmm. So did you serve a tour of duty overseas? I did. Yeah. Where? In Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow. So separate months in a day. No, together. Oh, together. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. How was that for you? Um, it was interesting. It was interesting. It was a fight. Um, it made me stronger. It made me, um, it made me a lot stronger than I thought, but then also damaged me in ways that I, um, that I still deal with. I'm a lot more sensitive. I'm a lot more, um, I'm a lot... I give more chances than what I should uh, because I truly live by I, I, my, my whole focus 
is being the person that I wish I had when I had nobody. That is how I live my life. That is how I try to uh, um, uh, impart that to the people that follow me on Facebook, the people that follow me on any type of social media outlet. It's just be the person you wish you had when you had nobody. Um, and that is not always easy to do. And can you can you explore that? Sorry to cut you off, but what, what do you mean by that? If I was homeless for two years and not like not like homeless, like I was living on a, a friend's sofa, I was I was literally on the train. I was, you know, day in, day out. I had a bag of clothes with me. You know, it, it was I was homeless. I had nowhere to go and no one could help me. No one would help me. Um, it speculation had flew all over the place. Oh, well, he must be doing drugs. He must be this and he must be that. I've never done a drug a day in my life. Not one. I've never smoked weed. I've never tried anything other than alcohol. I've never done it. But you can't tell certain people that. They just assume that that's what it is. That's, it has to be that. And um, so I could not believe that even family members, I couldn't get $20 for a bus card because I'm an openly gay man. I'm in, I'm a shame, uh, uh, an embarrassment to the family. I'm an embarrassment to people that say they love me no matter what. And that wasn't the case. And so for me, I don't want to be that to anybody because I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to have nobody. Mm-hmm. And, because I, 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 you know, I feel like when we see homeless people, we automatically assume, oh, either they're they're strung out on something, they're either dope fiends, they're alcoholics, they uh, were irresponsible with their money, they're uneducated, all of it. But that may not necessarily be true for all of them. That 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 may not be the case. But we'll never know because we don't really care to know because it's not us. And then what happens when it is you? You're going to want someone to help you. But how can you want someone to help you when you refuse to help someone else? Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of credo that, that uh, guides you yeah. to this day. Mm-hmm. So what were the circumstances that led to your homelessness? <laughs> okay. Um, I was living with my then partner. Um, this is after, after the Air Force? Mm-hmm, after okay. the Air Force. And... Um, on my 23rd birthday, um, my 23rd birthday, I found out that I was HIV positive um, mm. and that he had an ongoing relationship while I was away. It was a lot, a lot rolled down that year. My 23rd year was bullshit. <laughs> from, it was straight bullshit. Just, and, um, and then I, you know, I forgave him and we, we, Tried to work it out. Uh, I had attempted suicide, um, which landed me in the hospital for two weeks. Um, who um, landed me in the hospital for two weeks? I I came home after my suicide attempt and we had made up and it was, Oh, I love you. I'll never do it. Do this to you. I'm sorry. I just didn't want to lose you. Blah, blah, blah. 
fast forward three months, um, I walk in on him cheating Mm. and his response to me was, um, what is it over now? Are we done now? You know? And, um, so I went and stayed with my mom, but at this time I'm, I'm full on gay. I'm a drag queen. I'm performing more. I'm starting to get noticed. They couldn't take it because my family, they could not take Yes, My family could not Mm -hmm. take it because you know, my, my nephew was young. Uh, my niece was young. They just didn't, excuse me. And then they found out it was HIV positive because they didn't know. Um, and that led to me being homeless. Yeah. And there I was. And it's funny because I was, I was ostracized from my family and put out and talked about and put down and and not good enough until, um, until I got really, until I got hired. This is after I met Frederick, after I got hired at WGN. Mm. Um, then all of a sudden, you know, cause I had still been doing drag. I'd still been performing, but once I got hired at WGN, um, all of a sudden, my my aunts not not on my dad's side of the family, more or less my mom's side of the family. Um, then it became, oh my nephew, oh <laughs> that's my. I'm like, really? Yeah. Now you're proud of me. Now I'm something to brag about. Really? Yeah. Now, I I don't I don't understand that. And and part of me did bask in it, like, oh wow, you know, I've done something to make them proud of me again. And it was certainly short lived because there's like, well, you're doing this now. I don't understand why you're doing drag. You don't, you don't need to do that. You need to stop that. It's, it's like, no, this is not. I never assumed in a million years that the character that I created would be encouraging thousands of people or um, I would have as many followers as I do or people that that love me the way they do. I would have never. Never in a million. Not, you couldn't have told me this. You couldn't have told me this a year ago. Yeah. That all of this that's going on in my life right now would, would be happening. And you certainly couldn't have told me this seven years ago. Because seven years ago, this time, I was homeless. Yeah. And that's so, what keeps me grounded. Realizing that just seven, that's not long ago. Mm-hmm. I had nowhere to go. Hmm. So I'd like to, I mean, you, you just, you dropped a lot of bombs just then. I did. There's a lot of yeah. stuff I'd like to go back and, okay. and, and, and keep exploring. So, okay. So, so, um, you get out of the air force, uh, you, you are, um, homeless you, yeah. for two years. You yeah. said two years you're on the streets, you're on trains, etc. Um, after having these, uh, experiences that, that often lead to PTSD, inclu- including sexual abuse, including, uh, serving in the military, that is yet another experience that, that, uh, could have that effect on you and, I have. and did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I certainly have it. My, the thing about my PTSD is that I used to get very angry. I used to get, and I still get angry. I still have my days when my plate is so full. I don't really know how else to react And it. I don't take my anger out on other people. I'll more or less take it out on myself. I'll go. I like to go away and I'll scream. I'll yell. I'll punch a wall or whatever the case may be. Um, and then sometimes I get so depressed that um, I I literally cannot do anything. Um, I just, I shut down. 
and it's even with uh, me being who I am on social media now, it is very hard to be um, to be positive all the time because you don't sometimes I just don't feel like it. But you when you have people depending on you, I think that's what kind of helps me get through it because there are people that are depending on me for whatever reason. And I don't want to let them down. I feel like in my life, I've let enough people down by being gay, by being a drag queen, by being all these things. Um, because that's the argument that a lot of people give from my, on my families. You know, they're, they're like, well, why you got to be, a, why you got to do that? Why can't you just be gay? And why you want to be a woman? I'm like, I don't want to be a woman. I'm, I'm just an actor. Mm-hmm. I'm just playing a character. Yeah. So, so, how did you, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned WGN, which I'd like to get into, but how did you, how did your homelessness come to an end? How did, how did you get yourself out of that situation? Well, um, I used the system and I'm not necessarily proud of it, but I used the system. So while I was homeless, um, I never begged, I never begged for change. And I, you know, in hindsight, I probably should have, I probably wouldn't have gotten in as much trouble as I did. But, uh, if I got hungry, I went and stole me something to eat if I didn't have the money. Yeah, if I did not, if I needed clothes or whatever the case, I went and got it, and that ended landed me in Cook County Jail quite a mm-hmm. few times. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because people will judge you by that, like, "Oh, you thief!" I'm like, "No, there's different circumstances, and you can't say what you'll never do if you haven't been in certain situations." Because when you're hungry and you don't have a, uh, you don't have people to help you and you're you're starving you're gonna go get something to eat I, I guarantee you um when your clothes reek and it's it, they reek so bad to where you have a headache I guarantee you you're going to go steal you some soap some new underwear and a new outfit or whatever the case may be and it was never anything fancy maybe a jogging suit or something like something that, you know, depending on what, what season it was. Um, I guarantee you, you will. I, I, you know, I, I guarantee you will. So you, you, you said you used the system. Uh, how, yeah. how, did, how did you do that? The last time I went to jail, um, they were going to send me to prison for a year, for 61 days. That's what they call a year. And What? Yeah. <laughs> because you serve 61 days on a year term. Um, huh? So I told them that I had a drug problem. And an alcohol. I told them I was an alcoholic and I needed help. And the judge said, "Okay." So they bonded me. So that's a lie. Yeah, you lie. Was, yeah, I lied. I li- <laughs> yeah. Yes, I did. I lied. Okay. Because I never had. I never had. You, you said you've never done drugs. So. I've never done okay. drugs. I've never had a drug. I'm actually a very, very much so a lightweight when it comes to alcohol. Hmm. Uh, unless I'm getting a tattoo, then I have to be sloshed. But anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
And so I lied. And the judge at first, I'll never forget his name, Judge Simpson, because he was a veteran judge as well. I'll never Judge Simpson, he had really rosy cheeks, kind of looked like Santa Claus almost, but he <laughs> didn't have a beard. Um, he said, because he, he denied me because I didn't have enough symptoms of being an addict or being whatever. And so I gave this huge speech in court when, after he said no. And I started crying before. And he was like, do you have something to say? And I was like, yes. And so I spoke and I pled my case. I was like, it's, and I told him, I said, your honor, you, you all put these systems in place to help people that need help. But you're telling me that I don't need help enough to get help. And, um, they sent me to, he, so he, he was like, you know what? You're right. So they sent me to the, the, the facility at Cook County, but they let me go. And the only way I could get into an, a, a treatment center is if I was an addict, you couldn't come in sober. You had to come in drunk. So I did a show and I, I did a drag show and, um, I, um, I made enough money to buy me a fifth of gin. I think it was gin. It was gin or it was light liquor. Yeah. And I drank a good portion of it and I poured some of it on me. <laughs> so I, when I went into Haymarket Center, I was sloshed because yeah. it doesn't take me much. And they uh, they took me to the excuse me into their program. And um, while I was there, uh, <laughs> I realized that gay men with HIV don't we don't ha- there's so many of them that there was not enough room for them. So they could not help everybody. Mm. But if I was a transgendered woman with HIV, there is so much more help. And so I decided that I would, I'm already a drag queen. Damn it. I might as well go for the gusto. And so I started living every day as Savannah, um, every day, which was the worst. Oh my God. It was the worst time of my life. Every damn day I had to get up and I had to get in drag. And, um, so what, were you living in, in this facility, this yeah. Cook County facility? No, I was living in Haymarket at the time. Haymarket. Okay. Yeah. So I had went to Haymarket and I was living as Savannah. And so I'm going to the meetings and in the meetings, you know, they, they, everybody going around telling their story about the things that they did. And I'm sitting in the meeting like, damn, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, and I, I'm like, I ain't got nothing compared to. So what I would do is I'd take a little bit of their story and take a little bit of their story, take a little bit of their story, and I'll make me a story up real quick. <laughs> and then so after so many meetings, um, one of my friends was like, girl, you ain't got no problem. I was like, girl, yes, I do. <laughs> and she was like, no, you don't. And I was like, no, I don't. And I felt bad because I'm like, there's probably someone that needs this bed. There's, but hell, I need this bed. Yeah, it's getting cold outside. I don't like. I, and so, I had I was in the system, and I moved to a program called First Step, and then they moved me to Next Step, and um, they had allowed me to go out and do shows. You know, um, I had to constantly go back and forth to court because Judge Simpson told me if if I ever have a dirty drop. He's going to throw me away and da-da-da-da-da. If I mess this up, I mess it up for everybody that comes behind me. I'm like, well, you ain't got to worry about that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> We're good. Yeah. We're good. <laughs> everybody come behind me good. And so, um, I, of course, I didn't have any issues. But one day, um, 
one day in 2010, um, I came back late from a show. I came back very late from a show because the person that was dropping me off um, was lollygagging. And they didn't necessarily know that I was living in a halfway house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were pissed. They were pissed. And they put me out that day. I had to go. Um, not to mention, well, no, I didn't, I didn't get put out that day. I was on probation. And one day I woke up and I was tired of living as a girl. Mm-hmm. I was over it. So I didn't shave. I didn't put anything on. I just walked out of my room as a boy, they had no idea who the hell I was. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute, who are you? Yeah. And so, and then after that, once they found out that I was out, they had ousted me. And I, I called my mom and she came and got me. And you would think that her response would be, oh, we'll just come home. That was not the case. Um, she asked me, well, where are you going to go? I said, okay. Um, so I called a friend that liked me in Gary, Indiana, and I went there. Um, my mom and my stepdad took me there, and um, I continued to do shows. I continued to travel back and forth from Gary to Chicago every day, performing, and then... That summer at Gay Pride is when I met Frederick, who is my fiance, soon to be husband. Mm. And um, we met on Pride. And a week later, no, two weeks later, two weeks later, exactly, we were living together in a committed relationship. Mm. Well, that's a hell of a story. Yeah. It's I mean, we're summer. not done yet. No. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wrapping up yet, but uh, but that's a hell of a story. So... You said that you, you by the time that you were homeless, you were already performing, performing mm-hmm. drag. So when did you start that, and how did that come about? <laughs> it, I started performing, really. I started doing drag. I was 14. Oh, this wow. is how. This is how. So um, in high school, that year, they decided to do jocks would be the cheerleaders, and the cheerleaders were the jocks. So when I came to school... In my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, well, we're gonna do this up. We we going so I, you know, I'm I got the makeup on and I, the heels. And I look good. I know I look good because I looked in the mirror like, damn, I look good. And so I get there, and everybody else is, you know, with these raggedy ponytails, and they looking. They still got their little mustache, little goatees. I ain't got none of that, you know. I mean, I didn't grow any of that anyway uh, at that time, but. I had dolled myself on up and I knew and I felt so comfortable, not because I wanted to be a woman, but because all eyes were on me and because I was an ugly duckling all of my life. And when it came to Brazil or to Ray, I was the one nobody really ever paid attention to. But that day at Savannah, everybody paid attention to me. And even to this day, I can go out as Ray and I'll be looked over a hundred times over. But when Savannah walks in a room, all eyes are on Savannah. Everybody wants to talk to her. Everybody wants to be her friend. Everybody wants a picture with her. Everybody is complimenting her. But as Ray, I'm just another individual that nobody, I'm nothing to gawk at, really. Mm. 
So you're 14. That's your first experience is, mm-hmm. is being a cheerleader. And then yeah. you just did you just keep doing it from there? I consistently? did. Yeah, I did. I was my mom worked nights. And um, so Halloween is Halloween will be 19 years for me of doing this. My mother worked nights and there was a gay club in Joliet called Maneuvers. And I knew that I wasn't old enough to get into Maneuvers. But the, the, the catch 22 is I had a cousin that was old enough. And if I'm in drag, when I get to the club, you can't tell me that that's not me on the ID. And so they, and I dressed like an old woman anyway. So, because I was wearing my mama's clothes, you know, and so, (laughs) so, so nobody knew that who I was and I would go in, I would perform and I would be home and in bed before my mama got home. You were performing. You you went up on stage. It wasn't just, wow. Oh yeah. Did you just walk in and say, I want to perform? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, I started just I started going to the club and just because, you know, that again, even then, even when I when I first started, that's the, really the only way that I got attention. Even at church, I was, you know, if I wasn't singing or if I wasn't preaching or if I wasn't doing I was overlooked completely. I faded into the background with everybody else. Savannah is the only thing that pushes me out and makes me different from everyone else. That's that's the only thing that gives me any type of confidence in in who I am. Because other if I didn't if I didn't do drag, I probably would be dead. Hmm. So what was it like for you in the Air Force? I still performed. Did you? I absolutely did. Hmm. My very first car was a, a Chrysler Concorde, the LXI, and it was it had a huge trunk. And that trunk was jam-packed with a bunch of homosexual shit. (laughs) It was jam-packed heels, makeup, jewelry, wigs. And I would go on base. And I would be so afraid when because you have to go through the checkpoint on base. And I'm like, oh, shit, if they ask me to pop that trunk. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And so I would always try to keep it very neat, you know, so that they, if they, I did pop the trunk, they wouldn't see anything. But, oh, my God, I'm like, if they pop that trunk. Oh shit! Yeah, they wouldn't have to ask. There's no oh, don't oh, ask, don't tell about oh, that. Oh no! Oh no! I'm out it. Yeah. So you continued to perform through the Air Force, and you continued to perform. You said while you were homeless. Yes, I, I did. How did that work? I mean, you had a bag of clothes. Obviously, it was a bag of 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 drag, drag clothes. Basically. Wow. My my boy clothes. My boy clothes were very limited. Mm-hmm. Um. My drag. Uh. My clothes grew once I got. Uh, into the halfway house, but the bag that I had when I was homeless, homeless, it was very limited. Yeah. And, um, I had to make it work because, excuse me, if I did not perform, I did not eat the next day unless I stole something. Yeah. If I did not perform, I could not get on the train. And that's where I sleep. You know, I need to get on the train. I need to be able to eat. I need to be able to live. And that was my job. Even when Frederick and I met, I was doing a show six nights a week. And I was not very popular then. When I when I met Frederick, I was it was nothing for me to go to a show, not being paid to do the show, and um, do two numbers and possibly make six or seven dollars mm. on both numbers because I wasn't popular. Yeah. And um 
there were times that I thought, oh, Cash, just let it go. But I knew, I knew, and I still know that where I'm going is so much greater than what I can even imagine. And I kept at it. Like, again, a year ago, you couldn't tell me that I would have as many people that follows me the, the way that I do. There's no way in the world you can tell me that. Um, I started a group on Facebook three weeks ago, and I'm already – it's not even three – Friday will be three weeks, uh, Friday morning, and I'm already over 3,000 people mm-hmm. in the group. Um, I start, I've started a movement and it's just not me, but the people that follow me and that believe in what I believe in and believe in, in loving people and helping people and supporting people and being there, being the person that you wish you had when you had nobody. We have started a movement that is now global. It's global. I have people in on every continent in my group. I have people on every continent that follows me. I have people in on every continent that has my T-shirt with my face on it. Mm. I would have never thought that that was going to happen. I knew I was going somewhere and I knew that I would be successful. And I'm not even, the funny thing is, I I really truly believe that I'm not even at the tip of the iceberg yet. The door hasn't even really opened yet. All all I've done so far in my mind is rung the doorbell and they said they're on their way. They haven't, I haven't even got buzzed in yet. (laughs) So I could just only imagine what happens when I walk through the door. So can you tell me about that? I mean, you, you, I would assume that you, these, these uh, shows that you're not getting paid for, are you just walking in and saying, hey, can I perform? And people say, yeah, okay. And then you just worked your way up to where you are now? Well, the shows that I was performing on, you, <laughs> you literally had to uh, be approved to perform. Um, By whom? <laughs> the show host mm-hmm. and the show director. <laughs> and... Um, if uh, they got paid, but the girls didn't, and these are people that had been that had been performing with this individual for years, um, but if you did not meet their quota or do as they asked, they would just ask you not to come back. Mm-hmm. And this person dominated all of the shows in the city. One they person, had, yeah, they had mm-hmm. all the shows, and if you wanted to perform, you got to. You've got to do what you got to do so that you can perform. And I did. And it was not easy because I was not making any money. There were days, and Frederick can tell you, there were days I would, we would spend $7 going to the club because we had to take the train yeah. and the bus and we come back and we got $4 left. So we went literally all night to make $4. Yeah. And it was rough. It was very rough. Very, very rough. And it was heartbreaking at times because, like, man, like, I'm putting my all into this and it's just not working. But I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. I said, it's going to change. I know it is. I'm going somewhere. I, that was, I would tell people that. I was like, you just watch. You just watch. I, I mark my word. Savannah Westbrook is going somewhere. And people are all, oh, you crazy. I'll grab down about it. And now I'm booked at just about every club on the north side. I've been, I've performed at and gotten paid to perform at. I um, if I do a show, I, my tips are great <laughs> most nights. They're really good some most nights, but it's all it's all because I knew that I was going somewhere, and I I still know I'm not I'm I'm nowhere near where I'm going. So how did you get from those those making four dollars a night to where you are now? Was there a part big break? Of, part, yes. Yes, I um, 
when I got hired at WGN. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's just pause right here. Okay. What do you mean you got hired at WGN? Doing what? Uh, makeup. Oh, okay. Um, I was working with a lot of jazz singers here in Chicago. Joan Colasso and uh, Lynn Jordan, Margaret Murphy Webb, a, a lot of international jazz singers. And um, what happened was uh, Joan Colasso got uh she was doing the jazz festival. She was featured. She was a featured performer at the jazz festival. And um, so she got booked on all of the news stations. They put her on all the news stations. And of course, me being her makeup artist, I did her makeup. So we had went to ABC7. I did it. We went to Channel 2. I did it. We went all over the place. We finally got to Channel 9. And I did her makeup. And... Um, we were leaving. This is right before Allison Payne left. Um, and we were leaving out. And Allison Payne and Tanya Francisco. These are newscasters? Yes. Okay. Just uh, for people who don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they ran out of the room, out of Studio 2. And they was like, wait, wait, wait. I need your number. And I was like, who, me? And they was like, yes, you. And they was like, you have a card? I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, girl, I'm less than a year out of homelessness. Now, girl, I ain't got no damn card. <laughs> and so, um, um, actually, it might have been two years out. I don't know. Um, so, they Tanya Francisco ran into the bathroom and she got uh, a piece of like the the paper that you wash, wipe your hands with the brown paper. Yeah. And they gave me a pen and they said, "Write your name down and give me your number." Um, so I did it. And that was midsummer, around about my birthday. It's like the end of September. My birthday is October third, and that's the day I actually started. Uh, no, was it my birthday? Was it my birthday, Bay? Round about my birthday. It was around about my birthday. I started, <laughs> and so I um uh I. Got a phone call. I was working at a salon, and uh, I got a phone call, and it, her name was Ingrid, Ingrid Miles. And uh, she's like, um, is this Brad? I was like, yeah, this is he. And she's like, I got your number, and I would like to uh, interview you da, 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 uh, for WGN. I'm like, what? Shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, there is no way. And so, you know, I, it was true. And she's like, you ain't got to come every day because it was me and like 14 other people. You ain't got to. Y'all don't have to come every day. You just come when you can, you know, just so I can see what you can do. I was there every fucking morning <laughs> early. I was there by midnight. We didn't have, we didn't start painting faces till like two. I was there at midnight sitting there waiting. I was ready every morning <laughs> and it paid off. And once I started doing that. I could have easily stopped doing drag, but I didn't. So, wait, so who were you doing makeup for the newscasters? Yeah, Is that okay? The morning that's news. what you're doing. Okay, got it, got it. I was doing makeup for the morning news. Okay. And um, I could have easily stopped doing drag because I was making really nice money. Mm -hmm. But instead, I started investing. I started getting clothes made. Every week, I had three outfits made. Mm. Every week, like clockwork, because these bitches have talked about me long enough, and I'm going to go and sock it to these hoes. <laughs> so I, I went and had something made every week. Um, which was a problem because we were living in a one bedroom at the time. And so 
we got this much space and <laughs> Savannah is growing <laughs> and growing and growing. And it was fun because not only were we living in one bedroom, but we have two children that will be with us frequently on the weekends. So now we got them and Savannah's is everywhere. So, I mean, Savannah's shit is everywhere. It's all <laughs> over the place. Um, but I continued to perform. I continued to invest in myself. And that was, that was one thing, uh, rough and stuff taught me, um, was to invest. If you invest, people will pay attention to you. And I invested that there, there is about a good hundred thousand dollars worth of drag upstairs. Damn. Yes. There's a good, when it comes down to fabric and paying somebody to make it and stones and shoes. Cause I wear big ass shoes. You know, I got big <laughs> so <laughs> shoes are not, they're not cheap for me. So there, there's, and I'm like, when I go into that room or in, in the closet or in my other closet, well, anyway, it's all over upstairs, really. My, uh, but when I go up there, I'm like, I'm, I'm so very proud of um, myself. Thank you, Dominique. I'm so very proud of what I've accomplished. Not necessarily what I've accomplished, what God has allowed me to accomplish. Um, because I've had so many opportunities that had I not had the support of, had I not, had I not been pigheaded and stubborn to keep going and not had the support of Frederick, I I probably would have never been where I am today. Hmm. So what is this? Thank you for, for going off on that tangent. So you were talking about your big break, the Savannah's yeah. big break. What, what was that? Oh my God. I don't even know. I think, gosh, Savannah started getting very popular in 2012. Frederick and I had been together two years and um they were they were they were um so 2012 we had been together 2 years and they were looking for a new host at the Jeffrey Pub and i went and auditioned and i got i got the job because i'm very good on the microphone when i'm you know when i'm hosting a crowd or whatever and so slowly but surely i started getting that and then I started getting booked here and I started getting booked there. And then I got booked at Lacage regularly in uh, Milwaukee. And that was one of my most consistent bookings. I, I no longer work there, but, um, and then I got started getting booked at hamburger Mary's and I'm at hamburger Mary's every week. And I'm getting a, a stream of paid bookings to where Savannah has now become a business. Uh, she's actually making money that we can actually pay bills with instead of something that we just go to the dollar store and get some <laughs> chips and some, <laughs> some pop with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> making more than $4 a night. Yes. Yeah. And so it it was, it just grew into this thing and it just, and it's still growing. Like last night I, I performed for the very first time at Sidetrack and it was amazing. Mm. It was amazing. And the crazy thing is after the show was over with, they walked up to me and was like, okay, we need you this day and that day. I got two bookings, all off of them seeing me one time at their bar. And so, but that was my 2012, the Jeffrey Pub. Mm. That was your big break. That was my big break. It's, it seems like you've been ascendant ever since. Yeah, it's been it's been a slow rise, yeah. but I tell you, I am very grateful because the thing is, I I I never want to be so successful to where or work so hard to get to the top that I don't enjoy enjoy the journey. I don't care how long it takes me to get there. 
as long as I'm as long as I'm on an incline and I'm getting better and I'm becoming better, I'm fine with that. Because if it what happens in life is we get so caught up on the grind and on the pulling and on the trying to get on top and stepping on people and and pushing people off to the side that we forget about the journey. And then we get there and we don't have any good memories. We don't have any good times. We all we have is the climb. And then when you're focused on just getting to the top, you'll never get to the top Mm -hmm. because you'll always want more. If I'm very content, if nothing ever happens, if I never get another follower, if I never get another person in my group on Facebook, if I never make another dollar doing drag, I am perfectly satisfied because I've done more and I've had more in this career than what a lot of people probably will ever have. And I'm I'm good with that. I am so good with that. Because I've been at the very bottom. And I don't have to be at the top. I'm good in the middle. Yeah. I'm I'm good. You know, I think so many people we get so caught up on um hating on other folks when people are doing good in life and when things go great for them. It's like, no, I celebrate you. If you're if you got another booking and you're getting if you're getting all this money, you making this money, you're you're getting um on RuPaul's drag race, you're doing all these great things, by all means, bitch, do you. I'm happy for you. I'm sincerely happy for your success because I know mine is coming. I don't have to be mad at you because you're successful in what you're doing. I celebrate you and your success because mine is coming. Because I, I believe in karma and karma's a bitch. And if you if I'm hating on you because you're becoming successful in what you're doing, then I'm stopping myself from becoming successful because I'm so worried about what everybody else is doing. If you I I tell my, my followers all the time, and it's on my last shirt that I just did, um, is hashtag KYW, knowing your worth. And then plus hashtag DTW doing the work equals limitless possibilities. You have to know your worth and just not know it, but actually doing the work. If you do the work and you know your worth, anything and everything is possible. Any and everything is possible. But the problem is today, so many people don't know their worth. They know they have no idea what their worth is. Hmm. So a couple things first, uh, I'm sorry to ask this, but would you mind turning that down in there? Uh, the, TV or something, whatever it is. It's, we're getting a little bit of a... Bay. <laughs> it is white people watching. <laughs> oh, I, there, it sounded like there was a TV or a radio or something going on in there. Sorry. Uh, it's okay. Okay. Yeah, just... Uh, okay, so that that's the one thing. Now... Um, and white people watching is a joke that we do on my live, so don't... Don't be offended. That's fine. Okay. Do you want to explain that or no? <laughs> no, because so Wanda Sykes, uh, Wanda Sykes has a joke, and because uh, her wife is uh, is French, mm-hmm. and so she was getting into an argument with her wife. She was like, "Babe, don't do that. We got white people watching us." <laughs> and so that is my my thing on live. Me and Fred, when I'm on live, we tend to play fight a lot, and so. My, I'll look at him like, babe, stop it. We got white people watching us. (laughs) Gotcha. Well, I'm not offended. It's cool. Um, All right. So you, you mentioned that you, you've started a movement 
Can yes. you talk about that? What what is the what is the movement? What are you um, doing with this movement? What is it about? Oh, the the funny thing is, I the the funny thing is I um I never really thought that it would start a movement. I never, I, one day I was on live and it just, I, I went from the t- normally the 20, 30 people watching me. And before I looked up, I had 800 people watching me and, um, 700 new followers. And then the next day I had 20, got up to 2,800 people watching me, excuse me. And my, I, in, in less than 45 days, I went from 1300 followers to over 20,000 followers. Mm. Um, because technically, I'm still 60 days into this thing where my followers are growing so rapidly. And I'm very humbled by it. But I never thought it was a movement. It didn't dawn on me that it was a movement until I would put on Facebook a Team Limitless sound off. And within an hour's time, 300 people have commented and, and uh, 500 people have liked it. And people in my inbox, 100 to 200 inboxes a day telling me thank you for encouraging them thank you for being real thank you for being uh and i'm like i'm just on live talking really i don't you know Mm. and so i was you know i was humbled like oh my god and so in my mind i'm like okay i have i've been blessed enough to have these people listen to me and respect me and respect what i do and respect what i stand for i have to stand for something like you you can't just there's so much negativity already in the world they we don't need another negative individual uh that is that becomes a internet celebrity by being negative it, it it to be completely honest it's very it's a lot harder being positive and getting popular than it is being negative mm-hmm. um because when i get a little risque on my lives. I get more viewers than I do when I'm being uh, preachy Paula. But when I'm <laughs> when, so <laughs> so when I'm not necessarily negative Nancy, but uh, sassy Shirley, I tend to have more people watch me when I'm sassy Shirley than I am uh, uh, positive Paula. But um, it dawned on me, and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna start a I'm gonna start a group because there are enough people enough negativity in the world and i don't want to be that if if people are going to listen to me if they're going to i tell people if you're you're going to be something to if you're going to have people follow you you have to be something to follow you have to if you if people are looking up to you you need to be something to be looked up to you have to have some substance and it is very important to me that no matter what happens my message of knowing your worth doing your work and re- achieving limitless possibilities does not get lost. My message of love, love and laughter and acceptance does not get lost. I don't care what happens, but the message has to stay strong in the foundation has, because if you go through my group, there are, you'll just scroll through the post of people asking for prayer or people asking for support or people just venting. Um, cause it's a, it's a safe place where if you want to vent, you want to go and cuss out the world, you can go and cuss out the world and they're going to write girl. I understand mm-hmm. boy. I understand, you know, um, 
and people post or people go live and the response they get is amazing. It just, I'm like, oh my God, 60 people came to this post and supported this individual and they have, they know nothing about them, but they love them and they support them all because they're part of Team Limitless. I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a a, a, a movement. I think more. It's a. It's a vastly growing family, mm. and they're they're, they're very support. They're very protective of me. <laughs> <laughs> they are very protective of me, um, which is funny to me because I'm like I'm I'm just a drag queen. <laughs> it's not you know. Come on. I, you should give yourself a little more credit than that. I don't think you're just a drag queen. I am though. That's what it is. I'm just I'm just another individual. I'm not. I'm no more special than anybody else i'm just like everybody else i'm i am just an individual trying to figure this shit out like everybody else and the only way that it works for me is by being kind to people and being the person that i would literally that is my that is my thing i literally i wake up just about every morning and i'm like okay today we got to be better than yesterday I just want to be a better person today than what I was yesterday. Yeah. The mistakes I made yesterday, I don't want to make them today. I don't want to. And I'm going to tell you, this is, this is how I know that I've, I've grown. So we had our truck, the tires had went in the front, went flat. And so I had to go to Sears to get new tires. I was by North Riverside. And um, it was $300 for the new tires. And so... I was putting 60 in cash and the rest on my card. The guy charged my card. He he put the, the cash in and he charged my card for the rest and gave me the receipt and said, okay, have a good day. And I'm walking back to the car and I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I gotta go back in there. Cause it, the first thing I thought was, oh, ghetto blessing. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, wait a minute. This man can lose his job if his short his drawers short sixty dollars. Hmm. Karma is gonna kick my ass <laughs> if I don't. So I went in there and I'm like, um, I don't think you took the cash from me. He's like, yes, I did. I'm like, no, you didn't. It's still in my hand. Yeah. Like you didn't. And he was like, really? I'm like, yeah, you you didn't take it. And he he was convinced that he had taken the cash from me. So he counted his drawer down. And lo and behold, he was sixty dollars short. Yeah. It's like I told you. I'm like I'm not just coming in here to why, give why would you. I just give you sixty. Why would I just give you sixty damn dollars? And part of me at that moment, like I should have just took this this damn idiot. I should have kept this damn money. But the 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 fact of the matter is, I'm like no. I felt like that was truly a test. Like okay, I've been abundantly blessed these, this past month, um, with amazing followers and people that love me and and encourage me daily. They encourage me, my admins to my group, they encourage me daily. Um, it is just amazing. And had I not given that $60 back, I probably would have lost it all. Mm. I know it. I I know it just as sure because I was finna go. I was finna get out of there. Oh, yeah. He, he done messed up. <laughs> get old blessing. But, like, no. Take this man the sixty dollars, and true enough, you know, and th- that was the that was the test of it because, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, 
we're already short with what we need to make the wedding happen. And now this $300 has set us back an additional $300. Oh, I could really use the $60, but I'm like, you know what? It'll be okay. I don't know how it's going to happen. I still don't know how it's going to happen, but I know it's going to happen. So it'll be fine. Yeah. I took it back. I'm very proud of myself. (laughs) I felt like I had really loved the Lord. (laughs) Definitely. Now this is, that's, that's not the first time you've mentioned the Lord. Obviously you said that, um, Religion was a big part of your childhood. Absolutely. And you said it still is uh, a big part of your life. Uh, can you talk about that? What what role that does that play in your life? My spirituality? It keeps me grounded. I am, I am, a, I am a church boy to my soul. I, I, it's not even necessarily church. It's the, the, the peace that comes with it of hoping for something better. Um, in my group, it's not just a Christian group. It is, you know, it is a it is a group of people trying to figure it out. That's what it is. A support group for people trying to figure it out. But my faith, I'm 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 solid in my faith. I know that God has. Excuse me, God has blessed me tremendously through my work, because a lot of times people they felt they they sit back and they're like, oh well, I'm praying God is gonna open the doors and He gonna pour out a blessing and I, like no, you have to do the work. You can't just pray about it. You have got to do the work, and a lot of people don't want to do that. And so for me, I know I God has shown me His His power and He's shown me His glory. He has shown me His mercy and. Because if had it not been for him and giving me the the unction to keep going, I would not be where I am. You know, my even on Facebook, it, my 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 uh, my um, what's it my my what's it called? Damn. My introduction. It says I'm a drag queen with a message for the nations, hmm. and it's true. And the funny thing is, that's been my tagline for a very long time, for years, <laughs> and now here it is. I have followers on every continent and it's like okay that's amazing that's awesome yeah and it's all because of my faith that no matter what no matter how bad things get it's going to be all right because there were times when frederick and i thought we were not going to make it not necessarily in our relationship but life got hard and if i needed him frederick went into high gear and whatever we needed it happened when he needed me, I went into high gear, whatever. And then we, we were surrounded by friends that loved us and supported us. So it, it, if it had not been for my faith, I don't think that I would have. And knowing that God made me the way that I am. Because, see, that's what the church makes you believe when you're gay, that it's a spirit and that's you. Yeah, that God didn't make you that way. But I'm I'm so certain that I was made to be who I am. God made me exactly how I am for a reason. Not for any other reason but to help someone that has gone through what I went through hmm. in the church. That has gone through what I went through in life. So you've you've gone through a lot in life. Has oh, your yeah. faith been tested? Has it wavered? Oh, yeah. But the thing is, because what people fail to realize 
is that because people always talk about church hurt, people that have church hurt, and oh, you just got to get over that. It's not people with church hurt. We don't get. We're not mad at God. We're not. We're not turning away from God. We just don't like y'all asses. <laughs> that's that's the problem. We don't like y'all. It ain't. I don't have to go to church to to still love him. I don't have to go to church to. Uh, I don't have to play church politics to be a spiritual individual. I just don't like y'all. God ain't got nothing to do with this. God didn't have nothing to do with the foolishness. Y'all did. Y'all just some heathens, bastards, and I don't like y'all. That's and that's where I say it. I just don't like them. I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I don't <laughs> gotcha. trust them. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm starting to trust again because I'm I'm becoming. Huh, I, I'm going to be a leader in the new um, church here in Chicago. Really? Yeah. What church? powerhouse uh church of chicago mm-hmm. there's a pastor keith mcqueen and his husband um they have a church in indianapolis powerhouse indianapolis and they uh they're a gay couple and they're running a pentecostal church mm-hmm. and they're it's an affirming ministry uh they all of their members are not gay most of their members are not gay to be honest with you but um and they're starting one here and um through divine intervention, they have found me and that things are just going. I prayed for certain things, very specific things. Nobody knew that I prayed for them. I prayed and those things happened. Just, I was like, okay, Lord, now I don't mind being obedient. I can do that. But if you want me to be obedient, I need this to happen, that to happen, this to happen, and that to happen. And all those things happen hmm. just the way that I had asked. So, it, when that happens, you can't just say, oh, no, that ain't the Lord. <laughs> that's coincidence. Like, no, that's that's pretty much, you know. Hmm. Well, you've got a lot going on right now. I do. Yeah. I Yes. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah. It sounds every like day. It. Yeah. Well, thank you. Do you, are, you feel good about our, our interview? I do. Feel good? Feel good about our talk? I, I do. It's just I, I know there's so much to me, so there's so much to talk about. Yeah. So Anything I, else I you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I mean, I'm good. If you're good. I'm good. All right. Well, thank you very much. First of all, uh, before we wrap up, how can people find you? Um, on Facebook, Savannah Westbrook, uh, or my like page, which is the Lady Savannah Westbrook, or my uh, Facebook group, uh, which I want everybody to be a part of because it's, it's a great – it is a movement. It's a great movement. Uh, Savannah Westbrook and hashtag Team Limitless. Excellent. Right on. Well, thank you very much for talking with me. Thank you so pleasure. much. I appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.